Let the light shine as an inspiration to humanity and be the reason someone believes in the goodness of people. What a beautiful quote by Germany Kent. Do you believe in this too? Because I totally believe it. Helping others is such a rewarding experience. In fact, bigger and greater than receiving an award. That feeling is indescribable. And you know what's the best part? Our amazing guest is too carrying this similar message of encouraging and motivating others to follow and fulfill their dreams. Jama Halim is a three-time best-selling author, nationally published and award-winning corporate and commercial photographer, a serial entrepreneur, business coach, motivational speaker and corporate trainer. He's also the founder of Iwon Staff Academy that provides education and training for entrepreneurs and career development focused on creating successful entrepreneurs. Jamar uses the I Won't Staff message to encourage and motivate students, entrepreneurs and career-oriented individuals. His goal is to inspire you to build a platform to ensure that you won't starve. So with all that being said, let us welcome Jamar Halim. Jamar, welcome to Self Talk Show. First of all, I would like to applaud for your commendable work. Secondly, thank you for choosing this show as a medium to spread your message and share your inspiring life journey. Also, very honored to have you as my podcast guest. So, would you like to give us a gist about who you were to who you are today? Who I was, <laughs> just a kid from North New Jersey who um, came up in the crack era that everybody's rapping about and making movies about now. And um, my family was just like everybody else's um, that they make movies about now. Um, we were heavily impacted by that. And me being the first grandchild of um, you know, my grandmother and her having eight children with seven of them strung out on crack or worse. Um, I would call myself confused. I would call myself um, at that time, just somebody, a kid trying to figure it out. Um, I became a young adult trying to figure it out, but I made some bad decisions and which landed me um, in a space to become a felon early in my adult years. Um, but I was always a good person and a good kid. So uh, once I you know, stumbled into college, started learning and seeing other ways to make money and to earn a living, I quickly started trying my best to gravitate to that. Um, I didn't do it fast enough uh, to beat the felony. However, I took that lesson and you know that became the catalyst to make me say, hey, one, I'm not going back to getting in trouble anymore, but also becoming an entrepreneur because they, they wouldn't let me get the job that my degree warranted. So um, becoming an entrepreneur was my, I felt like my only shot. And I went hard and I didn't look back. I've been an entrepreneur since. And um, now I'm just a person who makes sure that I'm helping my individual, my people that come from my community and other individuals to not um, go through the same problems or troubles that I went through. I know we all gonna have our own troubles, we all gonna have our own struggles, 
my job has been to not make sure people don't go through the same struggles that I went through. So uh, if I can make anyone's life or journey easier by doing so, that was the thing that I decided to do. And um, I think I've done well with it thus far. That's a really generous thought, Jamar. How did you transform your dreams and goals into reality? You know, the funny thing is I'm still doing that. Um, but the things that I have been able to accomplish that I, I dreamed about, you know, it was it was hell. I don't have a, um, a glamorous story about doing it. Um, I was always doing things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> and then I, I just found a way to make good on the things that I didn't want to do and just understand that I can still get financially fit in that space and use that to put me in a position to do the things that I wanted to do. And that's a hard lesson for a lot of people, me definitely included, but a lot of times the things we want to do is not the option that's presented to you at that time. And um, we can fight it. Social media tells us to fight it. Um, therapists, everybody tells you, don't do that. You want to do that, that's do what you want to do. Don't, don't do something you don't want to do. And if it's not an option at the time, why turn away something that's um, guaranteed to put you further and closer to where you want to be than just sitting there waiting on a certain kind of boat to come and a certain kind of transportation and a certain kind of plane just to take you over all of the hardships. That makes a man or a woman out of you. It makes a stronger person out of you to be able to deal with something like that and take all the lessons and the skill sets and the drawbacks from something that you never planned on, you know, to be able to get you some of the things or all of the things that you uh, want in this life. That means you're really truly connected to this life because this life is, is built for the flexible individual because it's gonna always throw you some hardships and some curveballs. but the people who can take it and switch up when they need to and uh, the word that everybody overuse, pivot, They'll be the ones to get what they need to get. So um, I have accomplished a lot of the things I wanted to get, but I wanted to make sure that you guys know that I'm still um, going after some things that I um, that's high on my list. So true. What was your moment of impact that woke you? Most recently, <clears throat> um, I can say almost 10 years ago, I went to a TDJ's Jakes conference. Um, I had came back to South Carolina where I became a felon. And so, um, this is after the recession, the Obama time recession. And um, I, I went to this conference with my church because I had, you know, took an $8 an hour job. I didn't know, I mean, we were just very bad off at that time. And um, when I went to that conference, he brought a lion out on the stage. And um, it was all focused around his book and follow his um, writings. Um, his book Instinct and he brought a, a full grown lion on the stage he was in a cage and he said um, this lion's been in the cage all his life and so he doesn't know anything about being a lion or being in the wild or any of that and they said why do we you know, keep him locked up still he said because we're afraid that his instinct is going to kick in and he's going to realize that he's a lion and start doing things that lions do and he said that's, one, that's somebody in this room that feels the same way and I started crying immediately because I knew I wasn't supposed to be working for $8. I knew I wasn't supposed to be working where I was working. I knew that I was greater than that. I just was in a bad spot and I was just trying to be a good parent. 
Um, I just had my son months prior, but I immediately, over the next few months, started to leave that job and ended up leaving that job. And I never been back and I adopted the mantra, I won't starve because it was through bad um, advice and judgment that made me feel like I needed to get a job at the time. It was no support or nothing like that. So I won't starve was that moment for me of saying, whether or not somebody helped me, whether or not somebody's on my team, whether or not, no matter what the world is doing, I know I'm not gonna starve. I know my family's not gonna starve. I know I'm capable that to do whatever I need to do to make sure that me and my family will be good. Right. Can you tell us something about I Won't Starve Academy? What's the story behind the name and any three important lessons that you can share from your training session with our audience? Um, as I mentioned before, the name I Won't Starve um, was my mantra and it, <clears throat> I developed it um, when I was working an eight-dollar job at the Hampton Inn, when I decided to leave that job um, to go back into full-time entrepreneurship, it was definitely not the greatest idea to the people around me. Um, I was met with a lot of judgment, but that was my way of, you know, making sure to me that I was okay. That was my the mantra that I kept saying to myself to make sure I was going to be all right. Um, fast forward some years later, we started to create uh, workshops called the I Won't Starve Experience to start helping minority business owners to start doing business with the government, as well as motivating them and inspiring them with my story. And I will have other individuals like myself to be there to speak and help out um, these local entrepreneurs that ended up being now national. Um, the academy came because I wanted to continue to help more people and making it into a 501c3 um, was going to allow me to do that and allow me to get the funding and the partnerships that I needed to spread the business. So um, during the, right before the pandemic, we started working on making I Won't Starve, um, created I Won't Starve Academy uh, to focus on helping um, African-Americans primarily, but also other minority com um, contractors um, for free. You know, um, we, I am a consultant, full-time consultant, but a lot, I realized that a lot of people that look like me didn't have the opportunity to um, get the funding and get um, the, the, the education at a reasonable cost. So I wanted to make that educational uh, education affordable to them, you know, and really actually teach people how to become entrepreneurs. We focus on, uh, it was built off of my book, my second book, You Won't Star, Key Principles of Entrepreneurial Development, where I focus on the five key principles that I created, or that I, um, I wouldn't say I created these, these things, but I call them the five principles that I believe that every new entrepreneur should have in order to be successful. And which um, starts off with understanding the real meaning of hustling and why they work, understanding what market research is, then understanding that they can start their business off where they are, doing business on their own level, not trying to worry about if I have $5,000, $10,000, or $100,000 to start, they can get started right there where they are. Teaching them how to effectively network uh, by a method I call being a cheese. This is you putting yourself in a position or in a place where you're surrounded by potential customers and nobody in that room or in that place is your um, competition. 
So this makes it a lot easier for people to grow their business and actually get um, relationships, which leads to my last thing, you create um, strategic partnerships or alliances. Um, because again, that's how I've been able to grow. I won't starve and be successful by having certain people in my corner and in my team, on my team um, as partners. So um, I never went into one of those rooms doing those workshops, doing the trainings alone. I always had some backing, financial backing. I've had, you know, other partnerships that of people or organization that can provide more than what I brought to the table. So that's what made us successful. That's brilliant. What challenges did you overcome at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey? Um, I, I overcame a lot because my beginning of my um, entrepreneurial journey, it wasn't um, a big deal to be an entrepreneur, meaning like it wasn't a, a fad like it is now, you know, um, the entrepreneurs in back in the day were um, the crazy people. You know, we had no social media. Then I, I was coming out of being a college graduate and they're like, why don't you have a job? And, um, you know, so definitely you think that the people don't support you now. They definitely wasn't supporting them because it wasn't normal. Like if you say, hey, I'm not going to go to work and I'm going to have a business and they're, they're looking at you nuts. So that was the number one obstacle. And that comes with other sub, you know, um, situations that come behind that. Um, you know, family, the, um, you know, at that time, I, you know, I married, ended up marrying my college sweetheart. So her family was not trying to hear me explaining that I'm going to take care of their daughter, you know, um, off of something that doesn't have anything to do with the W-2. So, you know, that's in my personal relationship that it was affecting me. And then just learning on the fly, you know, entrepreneurship is not an easy thing. It's still not an easy thing. And um, learning business on the fly without support, not having millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and things like that, you're going to go through hell without social media, without this being just a regular occurrence. So it was a lot of um, things that back in those days that we had to overcome when you were an entrepreneur. And I don't think I missed one of them. I think I went through all of them. My goodness, you have really faced a lot. And I do have to agree that becoming an entrepreneur is really not easy. Would you please shed some light over your previously as well as most recently published books? Well, my first book, I Won't Starve from Eight Dollars to Six Figures, is um, you know basically a period piece for my life from 2008 to 2017, where I talk about you know living as a young 20-something in the Washington D.C. metro area, um, enjoying life to um, you know, in 2010, my wife losing a, a prominent job on Capitol Hill to me having to abruptly sell my um, commercial cleaning business and move back to South Carolina to start all over again as a convicted felon. And um, me going to work for $8 an hour um, at a Hampton Inn hotel to the next year, leaving that job and um, starting the I Won't Starve movement and becoming a um, national, nationally published and award-winning commercial photographer and a consultant and business coach. The second book, You Won't Starve, um, you know, as I, was, as I became a coach and a trainer and things of that nature, I was going around the country 
at the time the East Coast getting prepared to go around the country before the pandemic hit. And so because we couldn't go anywhere, um, I put the things that I taught, which is um, a key principles of entrepreneurial development into this book called You Won't Star. And I was able to um, do trainings all over the country and some internationally um, via Zoom or you know virtually with using this, this book. And actually to date my biggest selling book, my third book, which is Morning Motivation, Consistent Encouragement Through a Crisis. This book, again, another one at the tail end of the um, pandemic, or the height of the pandemic anyway, um, I just heard so much negativity on social media, so much negativity in the air about how to deal with a crisis, how to, you know, um, be motivated. And so I started doing a lot of videos every day, putting out videos, talking about motivation and pro how to be properly motivated. So not knowing if I was gonna be able to sustain that, I put it into a book, which again, morning motivation, consistent encouragement through a crisis. The, the premise behind it is just let everybody know that we understood that COVID was a crisis, but we also understand that that's not the first crisis and it's definitely not gonna be the last. And the goal was to talk, tell people and leave tips on in here of how you can st consistently stay motivated no matter what the crisis is. And my most recent release is Business Corner. What is really needed to survive the entrepreneurial fight? This is probably my best book. I always say that to everybody. I truly believe that um, because we had an outline ready to go for this book, but through it out, I'm gonna start with the time to start writing because I really believed in what I wanted to put in this book and help um, entrepreneurs. And I realized that the fight about entrepreneurship comes because the average entrepreneur don't have proper support. It's either they don't inherently have the proper support or they don't know how to solicit the proper support, you know, um, and they definitely don't have the proper situational individuals in their corner as support. So in this book, it talks about, you know, the entrepreneurial journey from starting the business to selling the business. And in between that, we highlight who and what you need to do, who you need to have in your corner and what you need to do and how to utilize those people or those entities at each time, whether you're just starting the business, whether you're just hiring employees, whether you're making a, a huge reinvestment or you're selling your company. So we really, really dialed in deep into this book about the whole entrepreneurial process from soup to nuts. I'll urge all our listeners to head to Amazon and order your copy of Jamar's previously and recently published books. Find the link in the episode description. What inspired you to opt for commercial photography? How does it contribute to your personal and professional growth? Um, you know, I hated photography. I really did. You know, um, I started off, I bought my first camera in 2008 just to take photos and, and video of my daughter when she was born. And um, I was in the music industry at the time, so I would take my camera just filming my artists that I was representing. And um, that would be it. But then I got bit by the blog bug when the black ball boom, say that five times fast, happened around the 2009, 2010 um, era. And um, I would film and have interviews with major people, you know, I've, again, like Ice Cube, Tony Rock, I've worked with directly. Um, some of the housewives from Atlanta when that first started, 
you know, the list goes on. However, people will always ask me to take photos. They will always ask me, would I take pictures? Can I do a wedding? Can I do this? Can I do that? And I would say, no, 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 no. But when I moved to South Carolina, um, after when the recession hit and I was flat broke, I attempted to sell my camera. And I had a $2,000 camera. I tried to sell it, which I was successful. I sold it to my then pastor of my church. But unbeknownst to me, he ended up giving it, he was going to give it back to me two weeks later. And he told me that he didn't want the camera. He wanted me to use it and he didn't want the money back. And that's when I took it seriously. The commercial portion of photography was because again, the whole reasons why I didn't want to do photography was not commercial. I didn't want to do the birthday parties. I didn't want to do the weddings. I didn't want to do just the random things that everybody, the stigma of photography. So I really delved in and used my entrepreneurial prowess to learn like what is the how can i actually make sufficient money as a photographer how can i actually be successful and when i started um researching i saw the commercial and corporate space and um i immediately dialed into the corporate space first working with a lot of law firms um and just targeting law firms and as that started to build um in south carolina we went through a crisis a couple crises in 2015 where we had the American, um, the um, Manual Nine that happened in Charleston, South Carolina, um, documenting stuff that happened in the whole state around that. I was hired to do that as a photographer, and then we had a thousand-year flood towards the end of the year, and I was working very close with our then mayor, um, and as the only photographer there, and so this put me in a situation where it opened up opportunity for me to do government work because the local government got a wind of me, then I started getting certain certifications and then I started working from local to state to federal. And so that's how I was able to um, just really be a great commercial photographer. I think it opened up so many doors for me. That camera always opened up doors that I was never able to open myself. I thought I was cool enough, but the camera was the coolest thing by hands down. You know, um, when I had that camera, it got me into places like the Super Bowl, <laughs> places like being able to work with Nike and do something um, exclusive for um, WNBA players. Stuff like that, you know, Save the Children Foundation, which is an international company, um, that was for a camera. They didn't call it for me. They This was my skill set behind a camera. That's quite a story. How did you juggle between multiple professions? Oh, man, you know, um, terribly sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's tough. It's tough doing that because uh, at certain levels, it, it can just look like confusion or chaos. You know, so um, I would tell people, you know, I was in a space where I felt like I had to um, because I could never get the support. So I would make something into a business that I just probably should have partnered with someone to do, or uh, I'll make something into a business that um, I probably didn't have the funds to do it on the level that I wanted to do it. So I just did it on my own level um, to appease me, to make me feel better, or to just capitalize on a singular opportunity. And then, um, you know, seeing some things stuck. But as I got older, I started learning how to say no to certain things and get rid of things. But juggling it, you know, the entrepreneurial mind, especially a true entrepreneurial mind, it kind of never, you know, sleeps. It's always something, you know, that's going on. You're always thinking about that. And me learning that I am a highly conceptual brain, I always got a big idea for something. I'm always thinking about something new. And I don't like people to tell me no. So I don't have to ask people 
to do things. When I decided I wanted to be a speaker, I immediately created an avenue for me to speak and for pay without asking anybody else because I didn't want to wait around for to go through the process of people telling me that I was good enough to you know offer a check. Um, I've always been that type of individual, so that's that's good. But um, it can get frustrating. It can get challenging. I always try to tell individuals that's coming up in business perfect something first master something first before you bring the next thing in and then get to know yourself because you can have two different things but you might not need to be or three or four but you don't need to be in the same capacity with all of these things some things it's like you got to create your own job photography was my job that was my nine to five you know because nobody else was doing that but once i added the video component to it we would have five or six people at an event they're filming, I'm just taking photos or maybe not doing anything. I'm just, you know, shaking hands or might have a table set up somewhere or something. But um, I just knew that I couldn't do everything on my own if I wanted to grow. And so um, if you want to add new um, businesses or new things to your um, your offering, try to make, make sure that it's not you. Make sure that every new thing you're doing is not, they're going to see you doing it because you'll um, draw confusion to yourself and to the marketplace because you don't want to see the people who you're trying to you know, ask for, you know, sell a car. Then you want to uh, take their photos and then you're cleaning their toilets and you're doing that. All those could be your businesses, but pick the one and how you're going to show up in each one of those businesses and try to stick to it and stay there. That's a wonderful advice, Jamar. What qualities and mindset make an entrepreneur successful? Um... Number one for me is flexibility. You know, um, at the end of the day, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to understand that things are not going to go exactly how you plan. And that's the difference between the people that's working nine to five and people that's full-time entrepreneurs. You know, those individuals have an opportunity to plan. They know how they work. They know how the work week is going to go. They know exactly what they do when they walk in the door every single day. They know when they're going to get paid, you know, all of these things. Not majority of entrepreneurs are never going to know that throughout their whole career. When they get up in the morning, the day is going to go how they make it. They're going to have to set that up for them. And if something goes wrong, it can throw your whole day off. Not because of an emotional scenario, just because somebody yelled, yelled at you at work or made you feel uncomfortable that threw your day off emotionally or you were upset. But your whole life scenario can Hey, I'm not coming home tonight or I won't be home until after dinner. I won't be home. I won't make it to Little Johnny's basketball game, Little Sadie's, you know, swim practice or anything like that. Because I got to be in the office at 9, 10 o'clock. I have to take care of this. I have to get on the plane, go someplace. Um, the whole all, the whole world is lost. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen when something changes. And if you're a true entrepreneur, you were prepared for that and you're fighting that on a regular basis, no matter what level, in the beginning of it, or if you're making $100 million a year, you're still going through that. So for me, the number one thing is flexibility. Of course, you got to have be a risk taker. You know, you got to have a high tolerance for risk. Um, it's a good, it'll be a good thing to um, have be a person that, that's about big ideas because um, you're going to not just to have one to start it, but you're going to have to be a visionary all the way through um, the process. Again, it's a host more of things that you should have. I think the number one for me is flexibility. How important do you believe is positive self-talk? And do you also practice some positive self-talk statements? 
Um, I think this is amazing. I think it's, it's um, yeah, very important, extremely important. Yes, I do. I do the best I can. <laughs> um, and I get better at it. I actually um, make sure that I'm doing that. Um, we, nobody, I don't think nobody does it all the time. Uh, I think the goal is, to, I know the goal is to get better and continue to get better, not just talking um, good about yourself, but treating yourself good, you know? Um, and a lot of times it's not any by your actions, it's by your inactions. It's, it's, you know, what you don't subject yourself to, you know, what you stop, um, you know, doing to yourself, what you start saying no to, you know? Um, it's actually good self-talk and, and self-treatment. You know, we have to understand that we are responsible for the majority of things that happen to us. Not everything, but the majority. And But we're 100% responsible for how we respond to them. And so um, if we can mitigate the bad things from happening to us by our actions and make ourselves feel good by our words, then that'll, that'll put us in a, in a whole different category. And um, I think we'll, we'll be better humans and better individuals for it. Absolutely. What piece of advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs? I would tell somebody who's aspiring to be an entrepreneur to, you know, take their time. I know that sounds cliche, but it's just, it's a fact. You know, we rush into this thing called entrepreneurship. We really don't really understand it. We just know that we don't want to go to work. We know we want to be responsible for making our own money. And we are finding out things a year in, two years in that we would have known in the first month or two. You know, um, get the knowledge, get the understanding. I don't want you to um, get analysis paralysis, but I do want you to study. I do want you to uh, find out if you can get a job doing what it is you want to do so that you actually can learn and um, circumvent some of the BS that you're going to have to go through or that's going to be developed. And why BS, uh, Some uh, one, of it, one of the BS is, is what you think it is. The other one is belief system. You know, you're going to have, you're going to develop certain belief systems um, by your own hardships. And I would love for you not to go through the hardships that's not there for you, that you do whatever ones you can avoid. I want you to avoid them. So I was just talking to a, a client, a coaching client, and they're relocating from um, Baltimore to Atlanta. And I told her, I said, look, you, you work. She works in corrections. I said, get a job in corrections when you go to Atlanta, because it's not about the business. Can you run your business when you get down there? Sure. But again, as I said before, flexibility, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to create a threshold that it's going to take six months. It's going to take a year or a year and a half. You're not ready to quit because you can't go get a drink like you was able to go get a drink. You behind on a car payment. You're not living the way you used to live. And now you're like living in the dumps now and you're miserable and all you keep thinking about is how you used to live. And then that makes you go back to a job. That makes you stay at the job longer. That makes you quit your business. So take the time, learn everything, give your business a cycle, a one-year cycle. You start your hustle, give it a one-year cycle. See how every, all the four quarters go for you. See what your strongest quarter was. See what your weakest quarter was. Figure out what you can do better. See what you, find out what the people actually want and need. People's wants change like this, but their needs stay a, a lot longer. So give yourself a chance to know that stuff before you just jump out there. It doesn't matter about passion. Passion 
is something that you need, but you need to keep it in your pocket like your driver's license. Just pull it out when you need it and then put it right back in when you don't. So don't let your passion drive you to make a crazy decision to put you into the poorhouse. Get passionate about, passionate about your business venture. Hold on to that. Now let's get some facts and step out right so you don't have to run back, hide and then run back to the um, big bad job. That's a very wise advice you just shared. Any message that you would like to leave our listeners with? The platform you leap from is more important than the platform you land on. That was a quote that was um, that undergirded the whole I Won't Starve movement and creation. I believed in 2014 that I had built enough of a platform for myself that when I leave this job, I would never have to come back. And I hadn't. And it's because, you know, of, of the work that I did prior to that, that I did in a temporary temporary lapse, you know, in judgment and just in a space where I wasn't confident in myself. You know, I, I succumbed to that. But once I was reminded of who I was and what I was capable of doing and the things that I was able to accomplish in the past, I knew that that didn't go anywhere. That was my platform and that was already built. And I said, I know that I'm way better than $8 an hour. I'm way better than any job. And um, it hasn't went anywhere for me. So I want people to know that the platform that you have built or you're building right now, once it's completed, it's going to put you in a place where no matter where you land, you'll be able to not just survive, but thrive and be able to be talked about amongst the giants that's in that um, market. So build your platform. Don't neglect what it is that you're doing. Don't neglect the work that you've already um, accomplished. I've worked a bunch of crappy jobs trying to become an entrepreneur. And all of those helped me now as a full-time business coach and consultant because I've worked at gas stations. I've consulted people who own gas stations. I've worked in the movies. I can consult people who deal with movies. I've worked in real estate. I consult people with real estate. It's, it's so all the things, the crappy things that I've done um, in my life was just storage and just building blocks to build this hellified platform that I've created for me to be able to provide for me and my family at a maximum level, not at a subsistence level. That's a wonderful message, Jamar. Thank you for your time. It was lovely having you on the show. You can connect with Jamar Halim through his website. Find the link in the episode description. So with this, we come to an end of this episode. Hope you liked it and the feedback would definitely do wonders. I would really appreciate it. If you can subscribe to Self Talk Show, more episodes and more awareness is coming your way. So stay tuned and keep self-talking. You can reach out to me for questions, queries or suggestions at www.selftalkshow.com or email me at showselftalk at the rate gmail.com or through social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again and see you with another episode.